this. I don't really know I get nominated for much of anything, honestly. Um, sometimes it proves to be a mistake, but in this particular case, I don't think it is. Uh, <laughs> we had, we put out a, a, a thing on Facebook. What do you want? What do you want? What, a poll. We put out a poll on Facebook and we said, what do you want? And one of the things you said you wanted was the fruits of the spirit. You wanted to learn about the fruits of the spirit. And I know, I know no greater man that to teach us a lot, honestly, everything I know probably, but, uh, a lot on the fruit of the spirit it was back in the barn and, and, uh, he did a nine week series on fruits of the spirit and I still have the notes on it and I still look at it frequently. And so when the fruits of the spirit come up, I thought he's the guy, right? And, uh, there's been a couple times in my life that, that I've had, let's call them intimate moments with this particular feller. And, um, one of the first times he ever got a big dose of me, and I don't know if he remembers as a, as a first time or not, but turns out in the aftermath, I remember it as a first time. And, uh, we were at a wedding. He was preaching the wedding and I was making the cake. And we were in a hotel and I had a friend with me that was in a walker and I didn't have room for her in the room. They gave me the wrong room. So I proceeded to voice my opinion at the desk out front of how I felt about that. Well, he was down the hallway praying because that was not somebody he knew. And then I take the wedding cake of this little chattery road to set it up at the delightful wedding of which we were and the icing had fallen off the cake. And I don't know if he remembers this part, but I do. I grabbed the saran wrap off the top of the cake watered it up in a ball because I was super irritated because now I have a wedding cake with no icing on it. It was hand stenciled, all kinds of craziness. Anyway, I watered that saran wrap up and turned around and just threw it as hard as I could. And it hit him smack dab in the middle of the chest. And he looked at me and said, having a good day? (laughs) Yep. Having a great day. But this is my favorite day because our very own Pastor Darren gets to teach us a lot. So it is close to the day of Pentecost. It's May 28th this month, this year, the day of Pentecost. We're working through the book of Acts. So I fully expect high winds and tongues of fire. That's my expectation. So in that have the honor of Pastor Darren. Thank you, Christy. I'm not scared of you anymore. I don't have anything in my hand. I, I remember walking out of the hotel room and hearing this racket, you know, so I walked out and looked down the hall, saw it was her, and she's throwing a fit. I just turned around and went back in my room. I didn't want, I didn't want a piece of that. So... How y'all doing tonight? Just one of you? All right. Well, man, I, uh, I apologize for last month. Uh, I was supposed to do this last month and, uh, my best friend back in Oklahoma passed away. Uh, he, he was the guy that I used to get in a lot of trouble with back in Oklahoma. So, um, Anyways, he, he passed away and I didn't know whether I was going to have to go and do his funeral. I didn't, and it was right at this time. So right, right during, uh, when I was supposed to be here. Uh, fortunately I didn't have to go back there, but I will in June. They're going to do a celebration of life that they've asked me to come and come and help out at. So it's going to be a good thing. But anyways, here we are tonight. This is, I believe in not coincidences. I believe in perfect moments. And so I believe this is a perfect moment. So, uh, how about you? Well, I want to, I want to thank Candace and Christy for, uh, asking me to come. I'm dipping my toes into the estrogen pool tonight. <laughs> and, uh, hopefully, hopefully I won't start crying during, during worship. I was... 
fighting back the tears, and then Christy gets up here and then talks about her life story, you know, of anger, and I about cried again. So, anyways, um, if you if you ever want to see somebody who's come a long way on a journey, that is Christy. Man, she you have lived and fought through some heavy duty things, and you have well done, well done. Here comes my estrogen. Hey, you need to tell your husband to stop sending me TikToks. He just sent me a TikTok through worship. And I, you want to see it? <laughs> me too. I didn't look at it. So I wanted to keep the anointing going. So I didn't look at, at Wes's uh, TikTok. So um, anyways, thank you for asking me to come and be a part of this deal. Um, it is it is an honor to get to be here with you. Um Man, there's there's some men that I would much rather not fight next to besides some of the women that are in this room. If I had to go to war, I'd go to war with you guys in a minute. And so what I've what I've learned through this um through preparing for tonight is uh is that um God has given me a mandate um and I didn't realize it. He's given me a mandate to empower and enrich women's ministry. And so I believe that every one of you in here, if you've got a ministry on the inside of you, even if you don't think you do, you do. And, and that's a mandate, even this one, um, to empower and enrich uh, women into ministry. And so um, with that, I've, got, I've learned I've got a lot of practice. Because my wife is a powerful minister. And I told, I told God when we got married, I said, I said, God, I'll carry her Bible wherever you want me to carry it. <laughs> She's a heck of a lot more talented and, and, uh, anointed than I am. When I look in the mirror, I always think she's got a lot more than I do. <laughs> she married up. <laughs> Maybe I did. Um, so anyways, it, it, it is, uh, it is an honor to, to get to, to empower and enrich you guys, you ladies. Um, so back in 2005, um, my father in the ministry invited Lynette and I to come and do the first ever Western School of Ministry. And, um, man, I was just a pup then and didn't know a whole lot, but he gave, he, I said, what do you want us to do? He goes, here's the syllabus. He gave us a syllabus of what they were going to be teaching over the, gosh, how long was that, Lynette? Six months, something like that? Uh, six months school. And, and so he gave us a week, a block of a week and coming there and, and I picked the fruit of the spirit. And so in that, I began to dive into the fruit of the spirit and that, that birthed that one week, uh, time of being at the Western School of Ministry, um, or the School of Western Ministry. Um, led to a nine week or 10 week series that I did over in the barn. I've done, I've done, I've repeated it here, I think twice on, on a Tuesday night when we used to have Tuesday night meetings. I, I went through that. So, um, anyways, let's get right into it. If you got your Bibles, go over to uh, Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. There's really, I'm, I'm putting in tonight, um, nine weeks worth <laughs> of, uh, of study into an hour. So how, how's that? Do I have an hour or do I have 40 minutes? Do I need to back off? I'll back off if I have to. Anyways. Um, so what I learned in, in the book of Galatians, I, I love the book of Galatians or the, the letter of Galatians because the apostle Paul was writing to not just a church. A lot of times his letters were just to a church. The church at Ephesus was uh, the letter that follows this. And so there are individual churches that he would write letters to. But the letter to the Galatians were a region of churches. It wasn't a church. It was several churches within a, re- a region. And in that, what the Apostle Paul was doing is he was trying to, through the letter of Galatians, he was trying to um, set a, and affect the culture that they were living in. and And so... As I was studying this out, I was looking at it thinking, you know, I was looking at the churches that were made up in this region of Galatia 
and um, found out that they were so good. The Apostle Paul did such a great job with them and the culture that they were in. They weren't not one church in the region of Galatian, Galatia was mentioned in Revelation. The seven churches of Revelation, not one of those churches that he corrected and had to pull in and, and shake the tar out of were mentioned. They, they didn't fall in the region of Galatia. So this changed the culture of Galatia, this, this book. The book of Galatians is one of the most technically challenging books because there's a lot of, um, a lot of minute, a lot of mystery in, in that letter. It's technically difficult because there's a lot of mention of the law and a lot of people look at that and they'll, you know, the, the apostle Paul says, you know, you know, don't be under the law. Don't do this with the law, the law, the law, the law. And a lot of people who are against the law, um, against that, that piece of the law being Old Testament will use the book of Galatians to do that, to, to, to satisfy their hatred or their dislike of the law or the Old Testament, which the Apostle Paul hasn't, it wasn't about the Old Testament law. It's about the legalism that was formed out of the law. It wasn't the law itself. It was the legalism that they got down on the inside of them and began to enforce the, the legalistic part of that. So when, when the apostle Paul writes here, and as we go through this and you see the word law, it is not capitalized. So then the capitalized law is about legalism. The capitalized law is about the law of Moses. There's no capitalisms in this. So it's all about legalism. He's coming against legalism. So in that it became culturally inspiring this book. So that's why it's so dynamic. When you read it, it is so dynamic because it affected the culture of Galatia, a huge region, and many churches that were involved in that. So as we begin to dive into this, the the fruit of the Spirit, and begin to navigate towards the fruit of the Spirit, what you're going to see is the importance that Paul had for spiritual inspiration. So I hope that you are equally as inspired tonight as we get into this. Because if you've read the book of Galatians, you know how powerful it is. And uh, and I believe that the, the book of Galatians will change. It's one of my favorite books. And it will change your view on what God wants you to see in the Spirit and how to how to maintain your life in the Spirit. So let's, let's go over here. Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to go to verse 16. You all good so far? Okay, settle in. It's going to get better. Verse 16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. See that word law is little l? He says, if you're led by the Spirit, you'll not be under legalism. Now, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, <sighs> outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, he said that they will not inherit the kingdom of God. He didn't say that they're, they wouldn't get in the kingdom of God. They just wouldn't inherit it. So it's not in your legacy. Verse 22. But, I love God's but, right? I love it when he puts a big old but in my way. He says, but the, the, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Amen? 
It's good stuff. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for your spirit that's on the word. Father, I pray that that as I get into this tonight, that you would put that same anointing on me that you put on Paul to change a culture. Father, I pray that in this in this place tonight, God, your ladies, your women, your warriors will begin to see something about themselves beyond who they think they are now. Father, I pray that you would change them. You would change me. You would you would set us on a path of walking in the spirit like we've never walked before. And we give you all glory, honor, and praise for all the fruit that's born of it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So as he starts out here, he begins to start out here as, as I started out in, in verse 16. He said, walk in the spirit. I love this word walk because this word walk is about, um, is about making a lifestyle out of things. It's about making your way. That literally walk means to make your way to live or conduct your life, to live or conduct your life. When we think about walking in the spirit, Paul is saying, you got to walk in the spirit. You have to make your way. You have to live. You have to conduct your life. Hey girl, what's up? <laughs> you have to live and, and conduct your life in the spirit. Now that don't mean that you're walking around two feet off the ground, fat babies flying around your head and you're, Oh, you know, I'm holier than thou because I'm walking in the spirit. That's not about what the walking in the spirit is. Walking in the spirit is about living your life in your Christianity following, being led by the Holy Spirit. We'll get more into that in just a minute. But he says, if we will walk in the Spirit, make our way or live or conduct our life in the Spirit, will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The word fulfill there means to complete your life or end up in the consequences of following after the flesh. In other words, when you walk in the flesh, there are consequences that come. And he says, I know, I know that each and every one of you mess up. And if you're quick to get back into the spirit and start walking in the spirit, you'll not end your life in the consequences of walking in the flesh. He says, if you will do that, if you'll be, if you'll walk in the spirit, you'll, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Um, or fulfill, yeah, fulfill the lust of your flesh. A lot of times we take that word lust as to mean a sexual term. It does mean that in a sense, but there's another thing to that is that that lust means that we're desiring for something that is outside of the spirit. We're lusting for something or desiring something that is outside of the kingdom of God. We don't, you know, when we come into the kingdom of God, we want to stay in the kingdom of God. We don't want to venture outside the walls. It's not about going outside the walls. It's about bringing people in, you know, giving them the gospel so that they can be a part of the kingdom of God. But when we fulfill the lust of the flesh, when we desire what's outside the walls, what's outside the place of safety is where we can get caught. And we don't want to get caught. There's snares all over the place out there. So let's not get, let's not venture outside of those things, but we got to stay walking in the spirit. He goes on in verse 17. And he says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another. The word contrary means they are diametrically opposed. There is no interlinking. There is no bringing the two together. You cannot bring the two. They are polar opposites. It's like bringing two magnets, uh, two magnets together that are the same pole. They will push away from one another because they're not, they're not. There, there is no magnetic draw to them. There's a pushing away, quite the opposite. There's a pushing away of those things. So when we're walking in the, the, the spirit pushes against the flesh. So in other words, when we have decisions to make, when we walk in this thing called the spirit, there are decisions or things that we come up against and decisions that we have to have that as Christians, our spirit continually wants to do what's right, wants to go God's way. Our spirit jives with what God's word is. It it, it wants to go God's way every time. Your spirit, your born-again spirit will always want to do what God wants to do. 
But there's another piece to this puzzle called your flesh that does not want to do what God wants to do. So you've got these two warring against each other. They're, they're contrary. But it's the, it's the soul part of us. It's our mind, will, and emotions that has to make the vote to, to do what needs to be done, the right way to go. So the spirit, the, the soul is going to go, if it's a, if it's a, uh, a uh, disciplined soul, it's going to go with the things of God. If it's undisciplined or like what we talked about this, this last week, I don't know if you're here or listen to the message on the weekend, but when, when we're not walking in the things of God, we can get burnout. When we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And if we're not, if our, if our soul is not doing, if we're not helping our soul to do what it needs to do, it's always going to go with the flesh. And that's where we get in trouble. But he's saying we need to walk in the spirit and will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the spirit means our soul is being championed and fostered for the spirit every time. So the Apostle Paul's focus here was that that people, that God's people need to be aware of the leading of the spirit. We need to continually be leading, be aware of the leading of the spirit. I heard this from Chris Valentin. I was listening to a podcast the other day. You all know who Chris Valentin is? Uh, he's, he's a pretty cool dude. I, I, I suggest, I, I recommend listening to Chris Valentin. But he said this the other day, and now that I said it was him, I don't know if it's him or not. But I think it was. <clears throat> I wrote it down on my phone anyways, and I didn't put his name on it, but I think it was Chris Valentin that said, our greatest hindrance to God consciousness is self-consciousness. Our greatest hindrance to God consciousness, in other words, thinking like God, doing what God wants us to do, our greatest hindrance is self-consciousness. And so we can't, you know, when, when we're just narcissistically going along with what we ourselves wants to do, then you're going to make bad decisions every time, every time. I like what, uh, what the Apostle Paul says here in verse 17, but from the, from the Passion Translation, it says this, When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder Him from living free within you. Did you get that? Let me, let me say it again. When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder Him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings Hinder your self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life and the, of the flesh and the new creation life of the spirit. There's a great battle going on on the inside of you. What is that old Indian saying that there's a great battle going on on the inside? There's two wolves fighting on the inside of you. Which one is going to win? It's the one you feed. Are you feeding your flesh? Are you feeding your spirit? The key to a spirit-filled life is a spirit-led lifestyle. So it's important for us to be spirit-led, keeping ourselves into a place where the spirit is our leader. Our spirit is guiding us into into where we need to be. I was listening. As a matter of fact, I, I this morning I got a uh, on my uh, Instagram. I, I follow a guy. He's he's one of my one of my favorite preachers right now. And uh, Lynette says I have a bromance with him. <laughs> and maybe I do. But his name is Frankie Mazapika. Has anybody ever heard of Frankie Mazapika? He's a cool dude. Anyways, Frankie, Frankie said this. He said, so long as we don't pursue him, he will disappoint us. Talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about Jesus. The longer that we don't pursue him, he will disappoint us. He said, you can know who Jesus is. But if you're not pursuing who Jesus is, he will disappoint you every time. He will disappoint. And, and I know a lot of people. I, I've sat down with a lot of people that's called the church phone and said, I need to meet with you. And my life sucks. My life is going down the drain. All this kind of thing. And it's because they know Jesus. They've received Jesus. They're born again. But they're not pursuing his presence. 
And it's only in his presence that we're going to find a place where he never disappoints us. Because when you're, when you're in that place, when your life sucks and, and you're in that place and you're pursuing his presence, God has an answer for you. God will lead you into the right place every time, bar none, bar none. But if we don't pursue him, if we don't know him, if we don't go into his presence, then he will disappoint us every time. We'll put the blame on him that he disappointed. Jesus disappointed me. He didn't heal me. He didn't pay my bill. He didn't give me the right person to be with. Whatever the case may be, he'll disappoint us unless we pursue him. We've got to be heavily pursuing him. That's what the spirit-led life is all about. Verse 18, he goes on and he says, he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You are not under the legalism. In other words, the legalism will limit you every time. If we get into a place where we become legalistic, and I've been there, you know, I, every spiritual leader that I know have gotten there at some point or another, and either they chose to stay there and be stupid, or they've chose to repent and go on and get out of that stuff. But every time that we step over into legalism, legalism, we not only limit ourselves, but we limit those who we are teaching around us. Because legalism is just that prideful. It will say that I'm right every time. And when you say you're right, you're wrong. You can be 100% right and be wrong. That's what legalism does to us. Verse 19. This is where he launches into the effects of the flesh. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. And then he goes into this laundry list. 18 characteristics of the flesh that will do nothing but destroy our lives. It leads us into place. These, these 18 elements, these 18 characteristics that he mentions here are the very things that put us into the condition of what Second Timothy chapter 3 says. If you, if you go over and look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, you don't have to. But at some point, do that. Write it down. Everything that is mentioned there in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that says the condition that Jesus will find the church in when he comes back is the very thing that is birthed out of these 18 works of the flesh. It is, that's what births 2 Timothy chapter 3. And it's those things that, uh, well, you know what? Let's just look at it because I'm, I had a revelation on that. Do what? <laughs> I, I love this. I love preaching this, this message at times. Seems like every time that I could, every message that I preach could come start right here. Second uh, Timothy chapter three, verse one says, but know this. That in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, the boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal despisers of, of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. We look at that and we say, that, I seen that on Denver News last night. You know, this world is going to hell in a handbasket and all these things are, are, are what's happening. You know, we can get this big revelation. But then we see verse five here. It says, having the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. He's not talking about Denver news in the world. He's talking about the church. And it's because the church has steeped themselves in the works of the flesh that is mentioned right here in, in, in chapter five. Of Galatians. So all of those things that I just mentioned are birthed out of the 18 elements of the works or the effects of the flesh. But here's the but. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Yeah, I got it right. Self control. These are nine, these are the nine essential qualities or the characteristics 
of not different fruits, but one fruit. He said the fruit of the Spirit. He, that is not plural. There are not many fruits. There's one fruit with nine characteristics. And when we begin to, to dive into that and look, we have to pay attention to these characteristics. And as I dive into this tonight, I want you to pay attention to these characteristics because as we look at these characteristics, we're going to see things that maybe you feel very good about. Yeah, that's me. That's me. I've got that. I've got that. I've got that. But there's going to be one or two that you're going to go, Ugh, I ain't got that. And and I know this probably is not very politically correct or modern day. I could get corrected on this. But I'm going to say it, and I'm not making fun of anybody or anything. But what happens if we don't allow these characteristics to come through, it will retard the fruit. It will retard the fruit. The fruit won't be complete. It won't be perfect. It won't do what it's supposed to do because it's fruit retarded. It is. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to offend anybody. It just, that is the case that our, our Christianity, this fruit becomes retarded. And when our fruit is retarded, it's not, we're not getting the fullness of what that fruit is meant for. Are you, are you with me? So let's look at these real quick. The, I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I mean, the, the nine week, the nine week series that I did, I went, dove in depth into this stuff. So I'm going to stay very surface, but it's very powerful still yet. So the first one is love. Love is, when you look that word up, it is the Greek word agape. Agape is the God kind of love. It's the, it's the love only God has and we can't even fathom the pureness of that love in our in our earthly state. We can get glimpses of it. We can walk in it. We should be walking in the best of our ability, the um, the fullness of the of the love of God. Right? We are to be walking in the love of God. Agape is the it's the only kind of 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 love that can only come from an unstoppable pursuit of Jesus. If you will, if you will pursue Jesus, if you will pursue Jesus and who he is and, and, and desire to be in his presence, when we do that, we will see the love of God begin to operate through us. And the love of God loves everybody. There is nothing that you can do to stop the love of God in coming, from coming into your life. I don't care. I don't care what work of the flesh you do. God will never love you less. Doing something like that, doing doing the work of the or the lust of the flesh, you can't stop God's love, and therefore we must pursue Him and pursue His love all the time, continually. Amen. Does that make sense? Okay. Joy. He says, "Love, joy, joy is the is the Greek word kara, c h a r a." And it's, it's a derivative of the word charis, which is grace. Grace is where we find our salvation. Our salvation comes through grace. Amen. And it's, so it's that grace that joy is born out of. It's the grace that can't be hindered by difficult times. There is nothing, there is no time when we're walking in joy, the worst things that can, that can come against us there is nothing that can stop the pure joy of God. I love what James chapter 1 says. He says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or various trials. Various trials. Who's been through a various trial? Yeah. Did you have joy through that? I am a big failure at that. I mean, it is so hard. I mean, when... That day, sitting in that doctor's office, when he told me that I had an incurable disease and my ears popped and started ringing so loud that he was going, talking to me, and all I could hear is my ears ringing. That's all I could hear. Sounded like Charlie Brown. It didn't make any sense. And I was not joyful leaving that doctor's office that day. 
But he says, look, you can be. It's a characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. When you're walking in the Spirit, nothing like that should... You should be able to take that, categorize that in your mind, put that in its right place, and still have joy. That's a tough one, isn't it? That's a tough one. Because his joy is born from a grace that can't be hindered by difficult times. The next one is peace. I love when people come to me and say, Pastor, God's calling me over here to do this deal. How do I know? How do I know it's God? I said, you got to follow after peace. you got to follow after peace. The Greek word for peace is irene. Irene. And it's the, Greek, it's the, it's the Hebraic equivalent to the Hebrew word shalom. Y'all remember Chip when he was here, he talked about shalom and shalem, where, where that all comes from. Shalom is nothing missing, nothing broken. Well, peace, the, the, the apostle Paul talked about this word irene in the Greek means to be whole, complete, and tranquil. Tranquil. That's a word we don't use every day. But it's a place where we try to find when we sit down with the word and we sit down with our, our devotional, we try to find that tranquil place where it's just us alone with Him. It's that place unaffected by circumstances. It's being in that place where we know that when everything is broken and falling down around us, that we are in a place that we know God's got this. I can just sit back and I can rest assured that God's got this. That's where we can kind of venture over back into joy and love again. That we have His peace. Follow after peace. If you don't hear anything that I say tonight, everything that you do, follow after peace. If there's no peace there, don't go there. Don't go there. The number number four, the fourth one is long suffering. This is where we get into those ones that we're going, huh, that's where I'm failing. Long suffering. Long suffering in the Greek means a patient restraint of anger. It's it's that patient restraint of anger. It's me walking out of that hotel room that day and that lady yelling up and down the hall. Um, I just, that wasn't, that wasn't even in my notes. And I'm glad you brought that up. So now I can, <laughs> most of us are neither. Most of us get into that place where somebody ticks us off. And when we get ticked off, we let them have a piece of our piece of our mind. Right? Well, can I give you some advice? You can't afford it. None of us can afford it. Don't give your mind away because you can't afford it. Amen. A patient restraint of anger. Kindness. Let's, let's move on. Kindness. Kindness in the Greek means to be mild, friend, friendly, and benevolent. That's where compassion comes from. That was that trait of Jesus when he would walk into a place, when he would, when he would come into a, a situation where, where someone needed his compassion, that healing would come. It's that, it's that place where miracles are born. It's, it's compassion. Compassion comes from kindness. And if we're mild and friendly and benevolent, then that compassionate peace will rise up on the inside of us and miracles are born out of that compassion, out of kindness. Amen? So with that, let's move on to goodness. Goodness is being generous. That is the simplest form of goodness that you can find. If you're a giver, you're looking for someone to give to all the time. My father in the ministry taught me to keep a $100 bill in my wallet all the time because if you'll keep a hundred dollar bill in your wallet you'll find someone to give it to that's gonna that's gonna benefit from that that's what being a giver is is to be generous give to others then he goes on to faithfulness faithfulness in the greek means to be loyal reliable and constant that is something that is not preached in the church very often loyalty I'm sorry, that's a little oaky there. Loyalty. <laughs> Loyalty. And uh, we need to learn how to be loyal. We need to learn how to be reliable and constant. That's that place where integri- integrity is born, is out of that 
out of that uh, faithfulness. Amen? Gentleness. Gentleness here in the Greek means means meekness. Remember, the Bible says that about Jesus, that he was meek and mild, that he was meek. A lot of times people think that meek is weak. Meek is not weak. Meek is much stronger than weakness. As a matter of fact, meekness is is having all of the power, but knowing how to soften the tense moments and the testing situations. It's being strong enough to identify those things that are going coming apart in our lives. It's identifying those things and and seeing how to soften those intensities at that moment. That's what meanness is about. It's about controlled power, having all this power. But knowing, I mean, you give a you give a three year old a shot a loaded shotgun. What are they going to do? They're going to kill a spider with it or something, you know, and blow your wall out with it. Because they have all this power but don't know how to use it. It's about having all this power but learning how to temper ourselves to use the power in the right way. Which brings us to the last one, self-control. Self-control is just like gentleness. It's learning how to restrain oneself in tense moments and testing situations. It's not just about softening them. It's about restraining ourselves in the midst of those things so that we don't fly off the handle. So that we don't create a bigger mess than what is being created already. Amen. So as I was looking at these things, I began to dive into, um, you know, the, um, a, a more definite fullness of what these nine, uh, these nine characteristics of the fruit of the spirit is about. The Jewish New Testament commentary said this, fruit does not come from effort legalistic rule following, but grows naturally out of trust. Fruit does not come from effort. At no point can you walk out into a a fruit grove, an orange grove, a lemon grove at any time and hear the trees going, grow. Got one. You won't hear that because it just happens. It does not, this, the fruit of the spirit does not just, it's not about effort. It's not about trying to get those things. You know, I've got to, I've got to have this, this, uh, ability to, to soften tense moments. I've, I've got to, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. It doesn't come out of doing, it doesn't come out of effort. It comes out of being led by the spirit. It's about putting yourself, pursuing, pursuing the spirit, being in Jesus and just living in that. Placing ourselves in that. It's not, it has nothing to do with how good you are. It's about how good He is in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> it's the qualities and the characteristics that determine the fruit. I mean, how do we know an orange is an orange? Because it's orange. You know? Lemons are yellow. Grapes are green and purple and red. I mean, we know the fruit. And so the characteristics and qualities of the fruit of the Spirit determine the fruit. And I believe that as we begin to venture into what this fruit of the Spirit is, what, what, what is a perfect picture of the fruit of the Spirit, I believe it's a pomegranate. It's a pomegranate. Well, why a pomegranate? I'm so glad you asked. Go to Exodus chapter 28. Exodus chapter 28. Here in Exodus chapter 28, God is instructing Moses on the most holy priestly garments. And I say it's the most holy because the priest would only wear this, this priestly garment that they're describing here in Exodus chapter 28. The priest would only wear that garment on the most holy day of the year. Can anybody tell me what that is? It's Yom Kippur. It's the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement. He would put that on and he would go in to the most holy place on the most holy day with the most holy garment. He couldn't just wear tennis shoes in there. He couldn't just wear his his jogging suit in there. He had to put on this and 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 this most holy garment was the thing that would save his life. Look here in Exodus chapter 28 verse 31. Uh, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation on this one. 
God told Moses, make a robe that is worn with the ephod from a single piece of blue cloth. Okay, he's, he's setting this apart. Skip on down to verse 33. Make pomegranates out of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and attach them to the hem of the rope with gold bells between them. The gold bells and the pomegranates are, are, are to alternate all around the hem. Aaron will wear this robe whenever he ministers before the Lord and the bells will tinkle as he goes in and out of the Lord's presence in the holy place. If he wears it, he will not die. So have y'all heard the story about the, the priest going into the Holy of Holies on that most holy day of the year? And when the, if the bells stop, they, they tie a rope on. Nobody's to go into the Holy of Holies. No one except the priest on that day with blood. And, and he was to, to venture in there in the right way. The bells, they could hear if he's still alive or not. Because if the bells quit tinkling, they're going to have, somebody's going to have to get him out of there. So they drag his butt out with a rope. I don't know if that ever happened, but that was the premise of the whole thing. Is that the bells, if the bells stop ringing, it's curtains for that guy. He's dead. They drag him through the curtains to get him out of there. So when, when you see this, the gold bells and the pomegranates are, are around the hem right at his feet. You see those things on his garment. And it's re, it represented that in the presence of the, it represents that in the presence of the Lord, the silent but visible fruit would unite with and accentuate the noisy gold bells. There's got to be two pieces to this puzzle because each bell is separated out by a pomegranate. There were 72 bells and 72 pomegranates. Is that mine? Oh, okay. I, I thought it was my phone. That's all right. I was like, Lynette, get that. Turn that off. <coughs> that, that sounds just like my alarm. That's the only reason I was key to that. But there were 72 bells and 72 pomegranates around the, uh, the, the hem of the priest's garment. Man, I was thinking about this before I got here. Nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit will go into 72 eight times, right? And the number eight in numerology is new beginnings. So when we operate in the fruit of the Spirit, when the fruit of the Spirit is determined in our life, every time that we take a step with those pomegranates, with the fruit of the Spirit, we venture into a new place that we've never been before. Then the bells are ringing. What are the bells? If the pomegranates are the fruit of the Spirit, what are the bells? This is good stuff. The bells represent the nine essential qualities of the gifts of the Spirit. Because there's nine fruit of the Spirit and there's nine gifts of the Spirit. And together, around the priest's, around the priest's hymn, together they unite as one in the presence of the Lord. So every, every time we use the gifts of the Spirit, and we'll, we'll venture into that here in just a second. When you use the gifts of the Spirit, you step into a new place. There's new beginnings every time. That's why it's so scary to operate in the gifts of the Spirit sometimes. Sometimes God will give you a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and you'll step out into that, and God will confirm everything, and you're like, I did it, and I could do it again. Well, the next time you're going, is that really what you're saying, God? Yeah, it's a new beginning. It's a new beginning. That's called the fear of the Lord whenever we are like, uh, is this you, God? Is this really you? Because I don't want to be responsible for screwing your people up. So the, the, the bells represent the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. You can go over there if you want to. I'm just going to jump right into this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 says, There are diversities 
of gifts. Diversities, that word diversities means there's different distinctions. So there are diversities or distinctions of gifts, but the same spirit. Skip on down to verse 8. It says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, another to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Yes. It's in the, it's in your phone. No, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. No, no, you're good. I'm just teasing with you. Verses eight through 10 says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit. Do I need to slow down? Are we good? To another, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. So nine diversities or nine distinctions of the gifts of the Spirit. That's what the bells are because it's the gifts of the Spirit that make noise. The fruit of the Spirit is silent. It's that thing that's on the inside of us. It makes us who we are. It makes us be in the place where we can walk these things out. But it takes us operating in the fruit of the Spirit that allows the gifts of the Spirit to operate noisily. Noisily means that other people, it affects other people and what they hear and where they go and what they do. It's the bells. When you go buy a new car, no, let me change that. When I buy a new car, I want all the bells and whistles. I want everything, you know. And we should be no different in the Spirit of God is that we should want everything that the Spirit of God has. We want all the bells and we want all the whistles. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. The, the, the two, the two come together. They unite together. So not only do we have the fruit of the Spirit, but we also have the bells of the gifts of the Spirit. And they are not, one is not greater than the other. Some people will teach that. See, the, the bells are noise that makes the diverse or the distinct sounds. I've got a book called the Tabern, called the Tabernacle, Shadows of the Messiah. And this is what they say about the, the, the articles, this article, this clothing that the priest wore. He says, pomegranates speak of Christ's sacrifice, sacrificial work on the cross. The bells speak of his testimony. The sounding of the bells unite the people and the high priest as he ministered. So they, even though they couldn't see him, they could hear him through the curtain. They knew that he was in the presence of the Lord. I want people to know I'm in the presence of the Lord. I want these pomegranates to be seen. I want the fruit of the Spirit to be recognized because the fruit of the Spirit puts us into a place where the gifts of the Spirit can begin to flow. And as the gifts of the Spirit begin to flow, it's the fruit of the Spirit that begin to be revealed. Does that make sense? So one's not greater than the other. They work in unison together to, in order to, to, to foster the presence of the Lord with us. Amen? Does that make sense? As a modern-day priest that you are, um, the book of Revelation and First Peter both say that we are priests. Revelation says we're kings and priests or we're kingly priests, but Peter said that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. As modern-day priests, we have the responsibility to carry the fruit of the Spirit in the midst of the gifts of the Spirit, uniting together for the kingdom of God. That is what walking in the kingdom of God is all about for us. Walking in the Spirit in the kingdom of God is walking out these fruit of the Spirit, letting that pomegranate be, be seen. Have you ever cut a pomegranate in half? There are so many different facets to a pomegranate. I mean, you got the outer skin, you've got the inner, that white meat that's not very tasty. And, and then you have 
the, the fleshy piece and the juice and the seed of the pomegranate. There's so many different characteristics to the pomegranate. And I believe that that's why God, uh, that's why I believe that God put the pomegranates on the bottom of the priest's garment. Because he knew that the, that pomegranate had attributes that would bring the bells into their rightful place of being heard. Some Christians view and some Christians teach that the fruit of the Spirit are more important and more dominant than the gifts of the Spirit. But the priests of the Old Testament carried and displayed both at the same time, one accentuating each other or accentuating the other. And so they would carry those two at the same time. That is what we do as priests, as kingly priests. We carry both. We carry the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit that is displayed in our lives has the DNA that determines the identity of the tree. It's got the DNA in it. A seed has the DNA of that fruit, of that tree. When Lynette and I moved into our house, for the first three or four years, we knew we had a cherry tree out front. And we knew we had an apple tree out front because every year they would produce at the same time. Apple blossoms would come out, then the apples would appear. Now, me being a tree guy, I was a forestry major in school, which wasn't very successful, but I was still a forestry major. And and people ask me all the time, what kind of tree is that? What kind of tree is that? Well, we studied trees that were like in the forest, not ornamental trees that you plant in your yard, especially if you're not in the place in the region where that tree usually grows fruit. So we had this one tree out in our yard and it was ugly. It, it one big limb comes off of it and it kind of leans toward that way. And it's just a big, ugly tree. And I hate, I bump my head every time I mow around it. I have to get halfway off my lawn tractor to go underneath and get the grass that's underneath it. And so this one tree was just, it was just an ugly tree and I kind of wanted to, to just get rid of it, you know. And then one summer, I looked out there and there were these little apricots on this tree. It was an apricot tree. I didn't know it was an apricot tree until it produced apricots because the DNA in an apricot is in that seed. And when you put that seed in the ground, a lot of times we think, well, the soil trains the seed. No. The seed trains the soil. The seed tells how much, uh, how much chemical needs to be added to that in order to grow an apricot tree and to produce apricots. The fruit of the spirit that is displayed in our life has the DNA on the inside. We have the spiritual DNA on the inside of us to determine the identity of the tree that we are. There's a virtual map on the sea, inside the seed that brings about what that fruit or what that harvest is going to be. I don't know about you, but I want the harvest of the Spirit. I want to, whenever we sing songs like, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit. Candace, come up here and sing. No, I'm kidding. Uh, let Sheridan do it. Sheridan. No, I ain't going to make you. You all see what I'm talking about. When we are in that presence, that's where the DNA can say, I can be a part of this deal. That's why when when Randy Clark stood at the front of Airport Church, uh, Airport Vineyard in Toronto, Canada, one night back in the 90s, 200 people sitting out there, and he said, Holy Spirit, come. The Holy Spirit came and it birthed the Toronto Blessing revival that went on for years, still going on today. Because we put ourselves into a place. It's not because of our effort. It's because we planted ourselves in the presence of God and we can just say, Holy Spirit, come. And he comes every time, every time. I've been reading books. Um, the, the one that I'm reading currently, and I'm not a very fast or good reader, but um, I'm reading, it's called Jesus Revolution. 
It's about the it's about Lonnie Frisbee, who was a part of that movie, who that movie was kind of about. He was the catalyst of the Jesus movement, Jesus people movement back in the 60s and 70s that caused a huge revival in the hippie hippie movement. And so if you all saw the movie, you know what I'm talking about. So I'm reading his biography and it's really cool because it's just simply they they would step into a place and they would say, Holy Spirit, come. Now, we all know the Holy Spirit comes with us anyways, but it's allowing him, yielding our self and yielding the atmosphere to Holy Spirit come is what begin to change things, what begin to drive revival, what we deem as revival. They were just doing it because that's what they wanted to do, and they saw results when it happened. So tonight, I want to say this. That when we teach the word, when, when the word is being preached, when the word is being taught, the Bible says that miracle signs and wonders follow the word. And I believe the word has been preached tonight. I believe that the fruit of the spirit in our lives can be enhanced. And so when we went through those lists of the fruit of the spirit, the characteristics of the fruit of the spirit, there were some that you said, I'm kicking it with God on. There were some that you said, I'm not kicking it with God on. Well, Holy Spirit wants to strengthen those places on the inside of you tonight. And, you know, if you need to get out of here, you can get out of here or you can stick around and see what God's going to do. But, I mean, I, I'm not, I mean, if you're going to, if, if you go, you better be careful. Because <laughs> the Holy Spirit will be inside your car. So, the fruit of the Spirit identifies us, but it's not for us. It's not for us. It's for others. Because we're the, we're the catalyst. We're, we're the ones with the DNA. We're the ones growing the tree that can nourish other people. This, our, our sisters, our brethren, people that we don't even like, it can nourish them. <laughs> can nourish them, not because you're so good, but because God's so good in you. Amen? So were there places that we talked about that you feel deficient in? Were there places in our, that we talked about that you feel pretty confident in? So there's places you feel deficient in. That's what we're going to hit on tonight. So what I want to do, I'm going to clear this out. Gosh, dog, that sucker's heavy. Thank you, Christy. Do we have some music? Do you, can you put on some, just some instrumental? I know there's some on that iPod, but I don't know what they are. <laughs> so here's what I want to do. Just, if you would, just, just bow your heads. For a minute, put your put your hands out like you're receiving a gift. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So, God, if it worked for them, it'll work for us. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Father. Those places that you feel deficient. Those are the things that we're going to declare and we're going to strengthen tonight. The way that I saw it in my mind was that you receive that gift at your chair. But if you need help, if you need help, I will kick this thing off. If you need help and you want to come up to the front, I invite you to come up here. So before you come up, though, I want you to declare whatever it is that is it love, is it joy, is it peace, is it long suffering, is it kindness, is it goodness, is it gentleness, is it self-control? Whatever the case may be, any one of the 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 uh, characteristics that we talked about tonight, I just don't want us to be feeling like our fruit is retarded and that it's not accomplishing 
the fullness of what God wants us to accomplish. So whatever it is, just there under the silence of your breath, just declare, God, give me, give me more love. Give me more joy. Give me more peace. Give me more kindness and goodness, gentleness, self-control, whatever, whatever that is that you feel deficient in. Just declare it to him tonight. God, I need that. And when you say that, then you declare, God, I have it to its fullness in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father.